0: I own College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, Dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with you. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Today we are continuing our conference previews for the 2023-24 college basketball season. We've already done the Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, Big 12, and the Big East Now we're going to turn our attention to the SEC, where most assume, most assume Tennessee, Texas A&M, Kentucky, Alabama, and Arkansas will compete for the league title, but not Norlander. Norlander has Arkansas picked eighth in the SEC, so let's start right there. Deadleg, Arkansas fans have been messaging me, and they said, "Uh, GP, is, is Deadleg on crack? And I said, listen, I've never seen him do crack, but I've also never seen him turn down crack. So first question for you, are you on crack?
1: I'm going to need evidence that people are messaging you asking if I'm on crack.
0: They want to know if you're on crack.
1: Yeah, that's happening.
0: Yeah, that's the that is the exact drug. They want to know if you're on. They do not want to know if you're on heroin. They do not want to know if you're on fentanyl. They want to know if you're on crack.
1: I'm not, nor have I ever been, nor ever remotely tempted. So we're in the clear on that. This isn't such a this isn't such a wild prediction, by the way. Like,
0: in must we trust?
1: When did you decide that you would abandon? In must we trust? December twenty seventh, two thousand
0: twenty one. Oh, that's a bad time
1: to do it. Yeah. Well, that's you know, a bad time to do it. Okay. Reminder: mm. This is a very good league. You can finish top ten and still be a pretty good program, but. Arkansas a season ago arguably had more talent than it will have this season. Arkansas a season ago finished ninth in a league that theoretically, and according to Gary Parrish, it was worse last season than it's going to be this season. So an Arkansas team that doesn't have as much talent that's about to step into a tougher league and I'm picking them one spot better than they finished last year. Where is the outrageous crime here? Where is the drug usage and all of that?
0: First off, you're, you're living in the past.
1: Yeah, okay. I don't like to live in the past. Anthony I like Black to live in the present. Sixth pick overall Nick Smith. Another top 20 pick. They're gone. You're living in the past. Yeah, exactly. I'm living in reality is what I'm living in. Okay, first off, uh, their best
0: veteran player got hurt. Their highest rated freshman was hurt. If not most of the season, much of the season. Sounds like you're living in the past. No, I'm explaining that ninth, that ninth place finish Yeah. Okay. If you have Trayvon Brazil and Nick Smith healthy all year, they probably never lose a game. Well, that's incorrect.
1: (laughs) Arkansas would not have run the table.
0: They would have probably run the table, (laughs) and and rather than acknowledge that, you're picking them eighth in the SEC. That's disrespectful to Khalif Battle.
1: Khalif wasn't a part of this team last season, so he's going to have to prove it for me.
0: No, I'm saying, I'm. Have we not established? I'm looking ahead. You're living in the past. What you've done is submitted a ballot that is wildly disrespectful to Khalid Battle.
1: Okay. Well, as we we'll think to... he
0: came all the way to Fayetteville, Arkansas to finish eighth in the
1: sec. Of course he didn't, but what you want and what winds up happening are two separate things. Can we, can we credit the outlet? By the way, I don't have it up on my computer, but you passed it along. We did a summer shooter on episode on the hogs. <laughs> Again, this was like 10 weeks ago now, 12 weeks ago. It was a long time ago. But it was only until a couple of weeks ago that, that this outlet decided to aggregate. I think it's a local news outlet down out there in uh, in Fayetteville, maybe Hot Springs. For all I know, and Could be um, Hot Springs, Hot Springs, but, Iceland. What did you What did you tell me? You told me and that you said you were just trying to be objective. I was trying to be objective, and you still told me to shove my objectivity up my.
0: <clears throat> I told you to shove your objectivity straight up your ass. Yeah, and that got quoted. That was the headline. <laughs> I own college basketball host Gary Parrish tells co-host Matt Norlander to shove his objectivity up his ass. Hey,
1: Listen, we'll find out. And then I also did say on the summer shoot around episode that if Arkansas wins the regular season in the SEC and must takes his shirt off in celebration when that happens, I also have to take my shirt off on the podcast okay, and I pay off my bets. If that happens, I will do that. And you have to get a Khalif Battle tattoo. That does not have to happen. You have to get some Khalif Battle ink. Sounds like you need to get some Khalif Battle ink. If Arkansas, if Arkansas fulfills your prophecy, I think you should stand in solidarity with Khalif Battle, who I will remind listeners is yet to play a game for Arkansas. He has a transfer, and you go ahead and get some Khalif Battle ink anywhere you'd like on your body. Feels like the left. Okay, here we are. Here,
0: here we go. Here we go. This is how this is how stuff gets started. Okay. If Arkansas wins the league, yeah. You have to get in must we trust tattoo. I'm not getting a tattoo. am on the, your face. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like post Malone. And it, if, it, uh, Hena, I'll get I'll get a, I'll get henna on the uh, my inside of my my right, right arm so it can live for a week. I'll do that. And if Arkansas finishes
0: outside of the top seven of the SEC. I have to get a Khalif battle tattoo with a sad face. <laughs> It'll be Khalif battle, but with a frown. <laughs> That's where
1: we're at. Yeah. Okay. That's where we're at. There we go. It sounds like it's time to get to some storylines.
0: What are the five biggest storylines in the SEC heading into this season? Norlander will tell us next, but first, it's a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. to this season the first one i think is just how much variance across the board with projections there is in this conference this is probably the most unpredictable conference top to bottom of any power league in the sport and i say that not just with what we have at cbssports.com as always if you'd like to read along as you listen or read after you're done watching or listening you can go ahead and check it out at CBSports.com. in the podcast description, we're also going to have a link to our SEC preview. Parrish handled this one. Parrish might be able to tell you about every single damn team in this conference. By the way, I'm very excited for that on this episode. I know so much about the SEC. Bro. Um, at, at at CBS, four teams were were picked to win the league. Four different teams. And you've got variants, you know, we just talked about the Hogs. GP has Arkansas winning the league, and I've got Arkansas down at eighth. And there are many examples within the conference where uh, one team could be separated by six, seven, eight different spots in the projections. So my biggest storyline is how much is expected and at the same time how much we don't really know about this league. And I think it's going to make for a pretty, a pretty fun conference overall. And I think it will also lead to... Uh, a number of, of of upsets, so to speak, where you might have teams that, you know, are in that 11th or 14th spot um, that are picking off teams that are sitting maybe in the 3, 4, or five spot. So to me, that's the biggest storyline. Uh, we need to see how everything shakes out with this conference, and I'm interested to see how it performs collectively in non-conference play in November and December. Number two, Kentucky brings in the top-ranked class into the sport this season. That is a familiar storyline to Kentucky, although it has not been as common, obviously, in recent seasons. With this, Calipari has to win big. GP uh, correctly noted in the SEC preview at .com that Calipari has more pressure on him than any coach in this league. That is not a debatable point whatsoever. Um, If Kentucky really flames out, and by flames out, I mean you know barely makes the tournament or doesn't make it at all, I think a coaching change in Lexington is not off of the table. That being said, I don't expect that to happen at Kentucky, but let's see what these freshmen can do and how much impact they can make. And if they can, uh, if they can go against the grain of what college sports and college basketball is right now, you know, John Calipari is going to need his freshman class to step up in a major way at a time when the sports never been older and the best teams for the most part are relying on players who have three, four, five, sometimes six years worth of experience. Storyline three does Tennessee ceiling rest on the sustained health and recovery of Zakai Ziegler after he hurt his ACL last season? Yeah, He's a wonderful diminutive point guard, and Santiago Vescovi is going to be one of the better players in the league. But I wonder if Ziegler might be the real key for a Tennessee team that some people think will win the league. And brings back a lot. They, you know, they made the second weekend last season and then they got bounced out of the tournament in sweet 16, uh, by FAU. So what will Rick Barnes be able to do? His, his tournament was, you know, we've talked about them plenty and they, they remain a thing. Uh, you know, he's just, he's all time. He's, he's barely above 500 as an, as an NCAA tournament coach, but Tennessee is uh, projected by, you know, many a metric to be a top 10 team in the, in the sport this season. They're eighth at Ken Palm. I think they're fifth at Torvik. Um, I think they're pretty high. Let me bring up uh, another dedicated listener who runs an algorithm, Evan Miyakawa. At Evan Maya, they are second overall in the sport this season. So we'll see what Tennessee has. Uh, number four, does Alabama as a program in nato's Does that does that program start anew this season, or will it have something of a haze? You know, a hangover left over after uh, you know a disastrous end to its season from an NCAA tournament standpoint and Brendan Miller's college career um, really flaming out. He was statistically one of the, he had one of the worst runs in the NCAA tournament, of any, you know, future top five pick. Uh, and then obviously everything that came along with that, um, we'll see if it can move forward. Alabama's projections are a little bit all over the board. You can find some thinking that this team will still be a top three team. Others are, you know, more like, eh, maybe they fall back to seventh or eighth overall. But uh, the Alabama story in general, uh, I think still carries plenty of intrigue. And then number five, is Texas A&M going to have its best season in almost a decade? Will Buzz Williams have one of the you know one or two best teams of his career? Uh, last time A&M was projected to be this good, it made the Sweet Sixteen as a three seed in t- two thousand sixteen. Brings back a ton, and we'll do the full rundown eventually. But uh spoiler, spoiler, I have Texas A&M winning the SEC. So, uh, and in doing so, I have, I have A&M kind of comfortable being one of the ten best teams in the country this season. Uh We'll see if they can do that and if they can play. uh you know, semi spoiler because there's a lot of other bigger names, bigger, bigger coaches, more well known coaches to a certain extent. AM is not getting a, a ton of run like that, I don't think. Uh, the SEC poll did come out, GP, and AM was picked second, but people are more likely to talk about the Vols or the Hogs or the Wildcats or the Tide or even Auburn. Um, but I like what AM's got this season, and I think it's got a real chance to be a Final Four contender. Those are my five SEC storylines.
0: Well, um, despite your crack addiction, I agree with you that it is wide open. I, I did pick Arkansas to win the league. You picked Texas a and I think there's at least five and maybe more. Where would you draw the line of teams you could like you are in the locker room with these guys the morning of the start of the season and you can look them in the eyes and honestly say, hey, if this thing goes well, you guys can be league champs. How many teams could you honestly say that to in the SEC? I think it's at least five, and maybe more.
1: Uh, you can go A and M. You can't say Arkansas. I'm sorry. You can say Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, Alabama. Um, hmm. uh, I think that's probably. I don't know if like the likes of now these teams. I think are going to be good. Like Auburn will be solid. Florida should be improved. Um, Mississippi State doesn't have its best player until January, um, but if you want five is five is a fair number. I don't know about other teams than that, but I do think that the battle to be like you know around the two three four range that's where I think you get into like honestly this this league could be ten deep when it comes to that.
0: Right. Um, Zakai Ziegler, you mentioned at Tennessee, um, obviously with him in the lineup last season they were flawed, but good enough to beat literally anybody. When he went down they they lost a lot offensively. They didn't have shot creators and playmakers and you know again I think you called him a diminutive uh, uh, he's small and he's limited but he's good. And w- without him Tennessee just really found it difficult to 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 score enough um to 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 match uh the expectations that maybe some fans would have placed upon them uh during the season because um you know it was always going to be hard for them to win six games in a row and win a national champion I guess it's hard for anybody uh but hard for them given their offensive uh limitations but like in a 40-minute game they showed last season with Zachary Ziegler in the lineup they could beat literally anybody and uh um you know anybody and I think Jerry Palm and uh Cameron Salerno both picked Tennessee to win the league among our panelists—that's a totally reasonable perspective to have. They, they should be really, really good uh, again. And uh, Santiago Vescovi should uh, conclude his his career at UT by playing in yet another NCAA tournament. Uh, Kentucky, you mentioned—I just think it's interesting. You know, they haven't been to the Final Four since 2015. Haven't been to the Sweet 16 since, I guess, 2019. Um. You know, John Calipari went to four Final Fours in his first six seasons at Kentucky, but has now gone eight years without a Final Four. I didn't realize this until I just started, you know, counting. You realize he never went eight years at UMass or eight years at Memphis without making a Final Four, but now he has gone eight years at Kentucky without making a Final Four.
1: Did he? He didn't coach eight years at UMass either, though, right? No, like- he did. not He did. He coached. I believe year eight was the final four, and then and then
0: he bounced. And then at Memphis, I think year eight was the final four, maybe. And then he bounced. Either way, that like this is a fact. He he bounced before
1: such a drought, if it were to set in, could set in, I guess. Okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. What I'm saying is a fact. John Calipari never went eight straight years as the coach at UMass without making a final four, and he never went eight straight years as the coach at Memphis without going to a final four. But he has been the coach at Kentucky for eight straight years now. And has not gone to a Final Four. Um, yeah, yes,
1: yeah, true. But he's also been good enough to stay at Kentucky long enough to go eight straight years without making one. Yeah,
0: no, that's yeah. There. I'm not trying to say, and like, and it's just three factual statements in a row. That's all yeah. it is. Okay. You could take it wherever you want to take it. And this, this, this happens despite him enrolling like a top two recruiting class uh, nearly every single year, and that's why. It's among the reasons he's under a tremendous amount of of pressure. And I'm also fascinated to see like exactly how this season goes at UK, because as recently as, I don't know, five to 10 years ago, if you enrolled the number one recruiting class in America, it was like your preseason number one or preseason number two or preseason number three. And Kentucky's just not that, even though it enrolled the best recruiting class in America. And it just sort of that highlights the shift um, in college basketball, where there seems to be some real evidence that that being this reliant on teenagers um, isn't the best way to, to go about it. They bring back Antonio Reeves. They add Trey Mitchell. But the question will become, um, do they have enough? experienced guys to be a great college basketball team. They've got enough talent. The talent is there. If Kentucky is not one of the you know 10 best teams in the country, it will not be because they aren't talented enough. It'll be because uh, based on roster construction, they simply didn't have enough experience, enough older guys to compete with Teams that are loading up with grad transfers and 22 year olds and 23 year olds and 24 year olds. I, I, I'm not here to make some bold prediction about which way it's going to go. I'm just really interested to see which way it's going to go.
1: Yeah. And last year was a roller coaster. It got better in the final five weeks or so of the season. Kentucky, you know, managed to work its way to a sixth seed. And then, you know, it played a competitive game, but it lost to K State uh, in the second round of the tournament. And, some of last season was like, All right, well, we got this big class coming in next season. So, you know, if you can't get it done next season. Then we got a real problem. Well, next season has arrived and we're on the doorstep of starting and we'll see what they can do. Um, I feel like Kentucky's variance could be as good as winning the league or frankly, in a conference like this, like I don't expect this to happen, but at its most extreme, finishing ninth in the conference. I mean, we have seen this program under Cal severely underperform in recent seasons so so we'll see but my expectation is that kentucky should should be a top three team in the conference we'll see um we'll see how that can how that can shake out you want to go through our individual one through 14 projections of this well, we'll just one, one note real quick
0: uh, because this often comes up when you're talking about john calipari i'm or rick patino i'm sure now going forward it'll come up with bill self Um, Somebody in the chat saying, well, you know, UMass didn't actually go to the 1996 Final Four. So Cal never went to the Final Four at UMass. Um, With all due respect, pointing something out like that to me will never mean anything. It's not impressive. It's not smart. Um, Yes, John Calipari took UMass to the Final Four. It was in 1996. You can find it on YouTube. I know that it was subsequently vacated, but like he coached UMass in the Final Four. That's a fact. He also coached Memphis in the Final Four. That's a fact that they were subsequently vacated doesn't mean that, uh, those things did not happen. It, it, it's ridiculous to me that people think they're making a smart point when they point that out.
1: Yeah. Officially off the books, but we all saw it happen. So he, 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 he coached in the game and they, and they participated. Yeah.
0: What did I say? I said, John Calipari never went eight years at UMass without taking UMass to the final four. It's a fact.
1: 96. There we go. Um, all right, let's, let's deal with, uh, Let's deal with the top half here. Let's go one through seven a piece. Um, I've got AM winning the league. Oh, I think Wade Taylor, the fourth. That's right. The fourth. Okay. I think he's going to be the MVP of the SEC. They bring Tyrese Radford back. The only big loss is Dexter Dennis Jr. This team. And that's the other thing is it brings back so much and it would be easy to forget or overlook. But a and went 15 and three in the league last season. I just think the, I think it's set up for a for a big season with with so many impact players back. Buzz Williams, when he's got a, a really good group, has proven to be able to make do some real damage there. Um, and there's there's loaded with juniors and seniors on this team. Yeah, so it, like and, and this is
0: I, as you know, you submit a ballot and then I start looking back at it and I go, Ooh, I don't maybe I got and I should be clear, like I have Texas AM and 3rd in the SEC. But I have them fifteenth in the country. So my top three in the SEC in in uh, in the top twenty five and one is eleven number eleven Arkansas, number fourteen Tennessee, number fifteen A and M, then number sixteen Kentucky. So I've got four SEC teams between eleven and sixteen. They're really bunched up. But what you just said is something that as I was doing the SEC preview, I was like, hmm, you know, maybe I've just slightly got maybe I've got this order wrong. This is my point. Texan M went fifteen and three in the SEC and brings back basically the team. In any other yeah. scenario, we'd just be like automatically, that's the projected league champ. And I'm not certain why I didn't lean that way myself.
1: Well, it's not unreasonable we'll to say that, you know, maybe they just stay relatively consistent and we'll see what see what happens there. Um but yeah, I just <sighs> I, I just, you know, you tell me there's a guy who's got the fourth in his last name that who plays a prominent guard position at Texas saying I'm in a big year. I just, I get AC law. It just
0: proves box. if and you so, keep making, it just proves that if you keep making Wade Taylors over and over again, eventually
1: one of them is going to pop. And then this one has, yeah, it, it took that. four. It took four of them. We had to make four Wade Taylors. Not the first three Wade Taylors that came. I'm not, I'm <laughs> okay. not,
0: I'm not, I'm just saying we needed four tries. And then fi- now, finally, finally, <laughs> We have a Wade Taylor that's ready to win an SEC title. We made four of them. Hey, one out of
1: four ain't bad.
0: He was a. Of course, somebody's going to point out Wade Taylor the third. Like, yeah,
1: not to get schooled. No led Mississippi State to the fact. SEC. Title. <laughs> um,
0: wait, wait till somebody links Wade Taylor the third's bio on us.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah, no, the team is just overloaded with uh, with with a lot of talent and a lot of returning players. That just Buzz Williams, if if A and M doesn't finish top three in the league and isn't a top twenty team, that would be a disappointing season. I had Taylor as a second team All American. Did you vote him on your ballot or no? Do you remember?
0: Uh, yes, I think I did have him on my All American ballot. Maybe yeah, not first team, but second or third. Yes, because I had him as my SEC Player of the Year.
1: All right, uh, I've got Tennessee two. Uh, thinking that Ziegler will return and flourish and be mostly his, his former form there. Uh, Vescovy, you know, what, what do you want? He's, he's a tremendous player and his inclusion on this roster is massive. Uh, Taylor was the, the official preseason SEC player of the year. I almost thought Vescovy might get it, but, uh, but, you know, you would think that Rick Barnes is going to have a team that is going to be stout defensively again and just, Work its way, not even necessarily slowly but surely, but steadfastly to another really reliable uh, record, strong resume, and Barnes. Just from a regular season viewpoint, he can he you know he, Tennessee is reliable. Like so, I I had I wasn't going to initially put them as high as two, but when I looked around at the rest of the landscape in the league, and I do, I mean, I really do love Ziegler's game. I thought, well. I'm just going to just go with the coach here and go with the recent track record. Josiah Jordan James back is is big. Dalton Connect is also big. Another team. This is obviously a relatively common theme throughout the sport, but particularly in this league, uh, just there's just so many old bodies here at Tennessee. So I, I, that's why I went with them at two. Kentucky. We've talked a lot about. I'll go with them at three. I you know talk a little bit more about the freshman, I guess, later in the episode. Um, but there's a lot. There's still injury concerns with some of this roster as well they've got a couple of bigs who are still TBD on, uh, uh, on when they can be on the floor. And so that's a reason for hesitation early in the season. Um, Aaron Bradshaw and his injury there, we wait and see on, on what Kentucky will be, but I'm going to take, I'm going to take Kentucky third. Cause, cause even if Bradshaw is limited, uh, you think that Trey Mitchell with all of his experience to pop Antonio Reeves coming back as, G, as GP mentioned is also uh, is also big there. There's a, there's a lot to be intrigued by. If you're a Kentucky fan, I've got Bama fourth Mark Sears returns. They got Grant Nelson on the portal from North Dakota state. He was considered a pretty big transfer ad. Um, I almost wonder if for all of the uh, Nelson hype, if Aaron Estrada from Hofstra might not be the more impactful transfer at the end of the day Nate Oates loves him who does Nate Oates oh, he loves him you didn't see the quote I think I saw something where people thought he was uh throwing a shot at Quinterly but that turned out to not be the case or something like that
0: he certainly denied that was the case yeah. it, it was just a quote that it was it was one of those quotes I'm paraphrasing here but it was basically uh Aaron Estrada has been great it's just really Nice to have a point guard where you don't have to beg him to, you know, come to work every day, something like, you know, to play hard every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah And yeah. and people, you know, uh, took that as a, they interpreted it as, oh, is he, is that a shot at Javon Quinterly? And Nate came back and said that it wasn't. I, I, I guess I'll say this. I can understand why people uh, thought that it might be a shot at Javon Quinterly, but I'm not, I'm not certain that it was. If, if Nate says that it wasn't a, uh, I'll you know i take him at his work. I,
1: I am taking Bama fourth here, largely based on what Oates had done in the regular season since getting there, because Brennan Miller out, Quinterly out, Charles Bediaco out, Noel Clowney gone, even Demari Burnett, Jane Bradley, they're all gone. So the, they bring in a lot. Now, Nelson and Estrada are by far the two biggest names. And then there's some smaller conference uh, transfer, Latrell, Wrightsell Jr. who comes in. I don't know how much of an impact he will or won't have um, Rylan Griffin returns. I, I think there's you know reasonable. There's, there's reason to be skeptical of Alabama's roster up and down relative to picking them top four. I'll just go top four because after that I'll be quicker on this. And then you give me your one through seven. And I did get a little, I got, listen, let's not be afraid to get a little nuts here. All right. So I go Mizzou five. Cause I do like their transfers coming. I mean, Caleb grill, John Tanjay, Grill was at Iowa State. Tanjay was at Colorado State. Um, I think that they will thrive this season. I think they're going to be tremendous transfers. uh, And they again, this team is (laughs) this team, um, which I think could be as good as fifth in the league, maybe as low as tenth or eleventh. um, There's so many old dudes on this roster. So I'm gonna I'm gonna bank on Gates getting it done again after getting Mizzou to the tournament last year. Then I will go Florida. um, Will Richard. Should be even better. Riley Kugel was the only uh, preseason All-SEC player who got honors. By the way, the SEC, get it together. Like, your first team was seven dudes. It was seven dudes, not including Wade Taylor. So, eight guys on the first. We got a Pac-12 situation. Uh, Can these leagues just figure figure it out already? Um, Walter Clayton Jr. comes by way of Iona. I think that he will be one of the five or so best transfers in the SEC. So, I will go Mizzou 5, Gator 6, and then yes. You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Mike White has never had bad back to back seasons in his entire head coaching career. Georgia is picked. He's never coached Georgia back to back seasons. Let's be also honest. true. 12th, 13th, or 14th by the projections of many. What the hell? I'm going to say Georgia finishes seventh in the SEC. Oh, wow. uh, Justin Hill's the only returning guy of note, and most people don't know who that is. I, I admit that. He's got some smaller conference transfers, but there's going to be a team that surprises. You know, you got to be willing to take a few chances in this business, okay? Can't be like Gary Parrish just picking the most practical thing every time and seeing it blow up in your face four months later. I'm going Georgia 7, GP. Okay.
0: I, I do not have Georgia in my top seven.
1: I, I don't think you have Georgia in your top 11.
0: So I don't have Georgia in my top 12. Yeah. I barely have Georgia in my top 13. Okay. But we'll see. We'll see. What's your one uh, through seven? I've got Arkansas one. But but keep in mind, like I said, I've got Arkansas, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and Kentucky, 11, 14, 15, and 16 in the top 25-and-1. I think those four schools, at the very least, could reasonably finish in any order. Nothing would be surprising. Nothing would be like, can you believe? Yes, I can believe. Those four schools, in any order, make sense to me. Alabama, like you noted, lost a lot. I've still got them 26th in the top 25 and one fifth in the SEC. Um, They're 10th at Ken Palm. They're actually second in the SEC at at Ken Palm. Some of that, of course, um, tied to the the idea that, that Nate Oates has been consistently yes um, running recent well, history of coaching success right.
1: factors in the Ken Palm preseason rankings. That will filter out as the year goes on.
0: Right, like it, it's the same reason. Um, the it's same baggage. reason Alabama yes. is top ten. Yeah. Yeah. On the other end of it is the same reason Florida Atlantic is thirty seventh. Sure, yeah. they're dragged down by not last year but the year before that and the uh-huh. year before that, and the year before that, and the year before that. Um, but either way, Alabama is 10th at Ken Palm. I have them 5th in the SEC. I've got Auburn 6th. Um, I've got Mississippi State 7th. And I would have actually – I I had Mississippi State in the top five before the Tolu, Tolu Smith injury. Like you mentioned, he's not expected back until at least January. That just stinks. I mean – I think as I updated the top 25 and one when the injury was disclosed, I sort of pointed out, you know, um, college basketball has a long off season. And the first few weeks of it, if not the first few months of it, is like you don't know who you're losing. You don't know who you're getting. But eventually, like everything sort of settles into place and you can start looking at your roster and go, oh, wow, man, we might be pretty good. And if you're a Mississippi State fan, you spent to the extent you spent any time on it, you, you spent the summer going, oh, wow. We we might be pretty good. We were in the NCAA tournament last season mm-hmm. with a first year coach, and we're bringing you know most of the team back. And then the the star of the team like you know goes down. It just thinks, um, but like he'll be back presumably. And I think Mississippi State still makes the NCAA tournament. But I did drop them in my preseason uh, projections based on the injury to Tolu Smith. I've got Missouri eight. I like you believe in Dennis Gates. I think he did enough in the transfer portal. Um, to to put Mizzou in the NCAA tournament for the second straight year. And then I do have a ninth team in the NCAA tournament um, from the SEC. I think the SEC will get nine. But I'm going to say it's my top eight plus either Florida or if you're looking for my possible surprise team, this is another one where as I did the SEC preview and started going through the roster, I said this team might be better than I think and better than most people think. I think Ole Miss. I, I will not be surprised if Chris Beard has Ole Miss in the NCAA tournament year one. Even though I picked them tenth, I, I, I think they're good. I think that two weeks to go in the regular season, Ole Miss will be on the bubble.
1: That will not surprise me. All right. I asked you for your one through seven. You didn't quite uh, give me that in order, so I'm going to read this for our listeners here. Uh, GP's got Arkansas one, Tennessee two, A and M three, Kentucky four, Bama five, Auburn six, Mississippi State seven. You and I do not have the same team in the same spot, except. For Tennessee, we both think Tennessee will finish second. That's because
0: you're on crack, according to Arkansas. And I'm fans.
1: down this, we don't have the same team in the same spot again until Gamecocks at 14. I agree with you on this with Ole Miss and reconsidering. Um, when I sent in my SEC projection, I put Ole Miss, I put them 12 behind LSU. And in my top 101 preseason teams, that will not be the same. I will have Ole Miss ahead of LSU. They they still don't know if they have Musa um, Cisse eligible. He's a two time transfer uh, as an undergrad, so they still wait on that. But Matthew Morrell coming back, Jamarian Sharp coming in, Alan Flanagan transferring over, um, and getting him eligible is also is also big. There's obviously enough there, and yeah, you know, there's you know the hiring beard and all that comes with that. And it's not exactly an uplifting college basketball story, but if you look at what he does as a coach, then Ole Miss is, it's not out of the question that with the roster, Ole Miss could turn into a top seven team in the league. I just, I've just, you know, first year situation, we'll see how everything settles there. I, I, I sold on them being a tournament team, but it is not outside of the realm of possibility. When I was saying before, like you could have teams, you know, in that 11 range that are, you know, picking off teams like third or fourth. There's there's the best example of that. Yeah, like
0: how about uh, this, yeah. and like if you just look at the roster. Ole Miss has more recognizable players, like you just know their names for the casual college basketball fan. Yes. Than like most teams in the SEC, that's fair.
1: Uh, now you got really, former
0: five star guys, guys, yeah, guys who have been a, yeah. goofy, if you follow good the players sport, on NCAA yeah. tournament teams.
1: Yes, yes.
0: There's a lot of like, I, if I were redoing the order right now, I might have Ole Miss in my top 8.
1: Well, I guess stay tuned cuz uh, you know, he's got three more weeks to uh, less than 3 weeks at the start of the season. Maybe he'll maybe he'll bump him in your top 25 and one by November 5th. We'll we'll wait and see on that. We'll see. Um bottom half of the league. Yeah, so I've got I've got Arkansas 8. Um Devo Davis an important player in the mix here. Tremon Mark coming over. I think that's big. I I think the return of Brazil is what I'm most interested in because he had a really good start last season and he is owed most of the credit for that. But I remember talking to two, when I was doing my Anthony black story, two different NBA scout, one scout, one GM said they thought that some of what Brazil was doing was a direct result of what Anthony black as a, you know, six, 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 seven point guard was doing on the Florida defenses to allow Brazil to be even, to be even better. Um, I expect him to be a very good player. Again, he's got he's coming back from a major injury. We'll see, but hopefully he can be as impactful as he was early last season. But I think that's a major factor in the success of Arkansas. And you know, yeah. Mus is you know bringing in a, yet another crew. And he, again, ninth in the league last season. We'll see if he can get it done. Auburn, I have next Jenai Broom. Preseason first team all SEC guy was a top five guy in efficiency in the league last season, uh, former Moorhead State player. They get Jalen Williams as a fifth year guy back, senior Katie Johnson back. And then Aiden Holloway is going to be a lot of fun. I don't think he's going to win SEC Freshman of the Year, uh, but if you're looking for a real sleeper pick, he might pop. I mean, Aiden Holloway, it, it, you know, if he is able to step on the floor and be an absolute playmaker guy who can score, distribute, do so much of it. Then, then I might be a little too low on Auburn. And I think Auburn's going to be in the NCAA tournament conversation, but I just keep going back to the variance in this league and just trying to squeeze eight teams into five spots here. Um, Auburn 15th at Ken Palm in the preseason. They were 32nd last season and were not a good three-point shooting team. They're going to need to be better from three-point range. For me, it's a, I got to see it in order to, to push them a little bit higher. And then, yeah, I do have Mississippi State after that. They did make the tournament. We don't have Tolu Smith for a few months here. Um, what's he going to be when he comes back? Now, they do have DJ Jeffries back, Shaquille Moore, Deshaun Davis, Cameron Matthews. All those guys have got four more years worth of experience there. So yet another old-ass team in this conference, which to Parrish's point on a few shows ago, which reminds me, I'm I'm going total stream of consciousness. I have a Zach Eadie mono update. We have to get that in the show before we're done. I have a, I have an update on that. Um, don't know how that relates to Mississippi State, but just popped in my head. Uh, there are just... I just see so many teams that are capable of of doing damage and getting the SEC potentially into a spot, as Paris claimed where this could be the best league in the country. There and then after that, we wait and see. We just about talked about Ole Miss, LSU. Uh, you know, Tyrell Ward's going to have to have a big season. They got a, a Vandy transfer, Jordan Wright, who I think is going to have an opportunity. Will Baker, who's been a well traveled. Uh, veteran of the sport. He's a big man. I think he's actually going to have the best season of his career for Matt McMahon. Um, we'll see. LSU started hot last season against a bad schedule and then it just imploded in league play. And then at the bottom, Vanderbilt, who nearly made the tournament last year after a big push. But man, I just when I look at the roster, I just don't think it stacks up as well. Tyron Lawrence and Ezra Mangin, uh coming back and being crucial in the backcourt is going to be critical. But I have Andy 13th. And then South Carolina, I think objectively has to be picked 14th in this league. Um, it's, it's not an easy spot. Michi Johnson does come back. They've got an eclectic group of transfers. But, and I, I think that BJ Mack from Wofford could wind up being a guy that gets some points there. But I just don't, I don't, I don't see South Carolina vying um, for even the NIT. They are not even, you know, a spoiler, I guess. I did not even consider South Carolina for my preseason top 101 teams. Neither did I. Okay, good deal. What about any thoughts on the other back? Half of the league, GP.
0: Um, listen, you know, I, I've got Georgia thirteenth in the SEC, but you know they're still top sixty at Ken Palm. Um, every team in this league is top eighty-five at Ken Palm, Fourteen top eighty-five teams. So you know how in the Big Twelve often you know, they'll interleague play and everybody's like in the top 60 or something like that. And it just feeds, it just, every win's a good win and every loss is a quality loss. And it just sort of feeds off of each other. The SEC might be in a position to do that this year. Um, I, from my perspective, there's a clear gap between, say, the top 10 and the bottom four. Arkansas, Tennessee, A&M, Kentucky, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Missouri, Florida, Ole Miss. I, I think any of those teams could make the NCAA tournament. Maybe all of those teams make the NCAA tournament. I give less of a legitimate chance to the Vanderbilts, LSUs, Georges, and South Carolinas. But, you know, I've been wrong before. It happens often. Sometimes you're wrong, you know? Sometimes you're wrong. Hey, who's going to be our SEC Player of the Year and the SEC Freshman of the Year? We'll tell you that next. But first, one more word from our partners. sec player of the year yeah our panel voted it wade taylor the fourth does that reflect your ballot it does reflect You only we i knew if we kept making wade taylor's we'd get one that could be the sec player of the year here we are we had to we just had to make four of them
1: um i've got wade taylor and justin edwards right there neck and neck for for player of the year um in the SEC. I think Justin Edwards is going to have an outstanding season for Kentucky, and he's a player that's in the in a very crowded and hazy discussion about who will go number one in next year's NBA draft. Justin Edwards is in that mix right now, and he did not receive as much conversation and in ink as his teammate DJ Wagner, um, who I think will be in the mix for freshman of the year as well, but I think Edwards' statistical impact and presence on Kentucky is going to be so immense that he will I don't know, just but he's my pick to win freshman of the year, and I think he will be he will be so good in Kentucky. My prediction is that Kentucky will be in the conversation to win the league, firmly acknowledged as one of the three or four best teams in the league that Edwards's play as a freshman will have him competing with the likes of Wade Taylor to win player of the year. and then I had Vescovy third on my overall ballot but there are a lot of nominees and it kind of depends on how you see the league shaking out because usually if you're going to win player of the year you got to be on team one two or three in the standings there are occasional outliers at the league player of the year level but that's that's really what uh what you should be looking for here and so my ballot reflects that what about you
0: i got Wade taylor as at the top of my ballot for sec play of the year Janai, i went Janai broom second like i think Auburn's going to be good and I think he's going to be terrific. And then I've got Justin Edwards uh, third. I wonder if the Kentucky freshman, when it comes to awards, might cancel out. Like, is Are Justin Edwards and DJ Wagner going to cancel out each other? I, I thought about that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. But it, you know, just to sort of transition into freshman of the year, I do have Justin Edwards one, DJ Wagner two. I've got Aiden Holloway third. And if Edwards and Wagner cancel out each other, like I don't think it's crazy to think Auburn might have the best 1-5 combo in the SEC with Aiden Holloway and Janai Broom. And if if the Kentucky freshmen cancel each other out, um, then then Holloway could maybe slide in there and and be your SEC freshman of the year.
1: Yeah, I've got Holloway on my list with DJ Wagner, and I've got Edwards one, Holloway two, Wagner three. Um, it's it, you know, Calipari did not do his job in my opinion. If if a Kentucky freshman doesn't win freshman of the year, so we'll we'll see on that transfer of the year. Mm. <sighs> I think I'm going to, so you've got Nelson and Estrada, both at Alabama as, as, uh, as, as really, really strong candidates. I'm going to go Walter Clayton Jr. at Florida. I saw him in person a couple times last season, really good player. Um, I, you know, when I did my feature on Patino uh, for whatever reason, Clayton, Patino started talking with me about Clayton and his viability as a as a player at the next level and half like making the case and half asking me. And it was just funny. I might even brought this up on the podcast. I can't remember, but um, I was like, you know, Rick, I appreciate the conversation, but why the hell are you asking me a scouting report on if a guy can play at the high major level? Like I can, I think he can. And I think that he will. So I, my, my pick here for the most impactful transfer, I think it will be Clayton at Florida. And I think that uh, he steps up and is, is a major factor in a major way. Although I put, I think I would put Estrada a close number two there um, uh, overall. And, uh, and another guy, you know, I don't know if CC C. is going to get cleared, but if, if he doesn't, Jamarian Sharp, it'll miss is another one. Like, he's 7'5". Like, if, if, if they coach him up and he starts, like, he's going to, you know, it, the Rebels are going to have a 7'5", dude, just r- menacing at both ends of the floor. So, he's another, uh, he's another name to consider there. Um, you got any other thoughts, or you want my Zach Eady update? I mean, Khalil Battle. Oh uh, yeah, of course. I feel like I have to. Say Ron that. Of also may may also be in there.
0: I just I mean, stuff. I would probably I, I, give me Alabama's transfers, and one of them I think will be transfer of the year Estrada or Nelson. I would lean Nelson, but yeah. I, you know, but we'll see. Um, if if it ends up being Estrada, that would make sense too. Um, they've got two high level, two of the best transfers in the country. Um, in Tuscaloosa right now. What's your Zach Eady story?
1: All right, so if you are checking into the SEC preview and weren't uh totally dialed in, naturally on our um on our preview earlier this week, well, w- which one was it? Was it uh was it Big East? Did we talk about Zach Eating on the Big East preview? Is that yes, what Yes, well, we were talking about Yes, yes cuz you 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 claimed erroneously that Ryan Kalkbrenner was uh at risk of catching mono for a second straight season and that's why he would not win Big East. E yeah. Uh, Get- I don't think catching mono a second time is something that happens. Often. I could do
0: it. Give me one weekend. Give me one free I mean, week. for one weekend.
1: Naturally, because
0: of this, free me we up got for not, one weekend. We, tell we, me, yeah, tell we, me, we I not, can go wild one weekend with no repercussions. I'll catch mono twice. Have you ever even had mono? I mean, I mean, probably. But not oh, I, know yeah, I feel like you
1: should be able to recall.
0: I don't remember having mono. I don't. Re- I don't recall having mono.
1: All right, so we ran we ran the poll about whether or not Edie would be more likely to win National Player of the Year or Kolik would be more likely to win Big East Player of the Year. Um, I said Edie, GP said Kolik, and it was like seventy thirty in my favor on the on the chat. And this got to whether Edie was going to the chat. The chat didn't know what they're talking about.
0: Earlier, the chat tried to claim John Calipari didn't take UMass to the Final Four. Keep referencing the chat.
1: See where that gets you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I will. I will. I will keep referencing. <laughs> I'll keep referencing the chat. Um. OK, so because of this, I said I would check in with with Mama Edie, Julia Edie okay. and, and ask. So first of all, and I listen, when I, <laughs> can, if I say,
0: it, can you imagine this woman? Somebody from CBS Sports is trying to ask me if my son's ever had mononucleosis. I,
1: I said I would do it. So I did, I texted her and we, you know, we've communicated, uh, you know, over the course of the past, uh, you know, eight months or whatever. I did some you know, features on Zach. I got to know Julia. I met her and and uh and all, and all this good stuff she's she's tremendous uh, mother she went and followed zach and watched him play overseas for team canada this, this year she's having a she's having a wonderful 2023 so sure. so i did text her and said listen julia this is random and i'm gonna give you context but uh i've got this co-host who's on crack on this podcast and he gets into the most <laughs> he gets onto these tangents so uh and so I, I tried to condense it as short as possible. Um, it was, which still means it's probably an, it an, an eleven-minute read, read, read. An, an eleven-minute 11 read on your text to Zach Eady's mom. So I kept it. I kept it pretty <laughs> succinct there. And um, and she said Zach has never had mono as far oh, as she knows. Ooh, it's,
0: it's, now
1: you have me worried that you guys may jinx him. And I said I will take all the blame if that happens. So Zach Eady has never had mono. Uh huh. And if you want that to affect his chances uh, either way for winning national player of the year. Again, take that into account. We did release our all American teams and national player of the year uh, pick earlier this week. We might get into that a little bit closer to the start of the season, but Edie, of course was our preseason national player of the year. And he was the only player to receive unanimous support as a first team all American. So there you go. There's yeah. your heard it here. First on yeah. the yeah. ion college basketball podcast, Zach Edie never had the kiss and cooties. as GP calls it. Hey, somebody has to aggregate. that. <laughs>
0: i own college basketball podcast colon zach edie's never had mononucleosis
1: <laughs> host claims <laughs> uh, 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 citing citing a uh, fairly reliable source
0: mother mother tells <laughs> podcast zach edie's never had mononucleosis yes you know how many teens have finished in the top 25 at kim since 2016
1: you said it was 63 right
0: yeah yeah indiana hadn't Oh, gosh. Was that a,
1: you bringing that back in? Yeah, I just wanted to just pop it in my hand.
0: Oh, uh, also, how many different schools have been to the Final 4 since the last time Kentucky was in the Final 4? Uh, we did this. Can't this- do that with Indiana. It's like we'd be here all day. But with Kentucky, how many do you think it is? Uh, uh, did we did you ask me this on the show? Uh, nope. Okay. Uh, so we got a trivia time? Trivia time. Trivia time. How many different schools have been to the Final 4 since the last time Kentucky Big Blue Nation has been to the Final 4?
1: um well you can just ask me how many schools different schools is redundant um yeah no but i want to know how many different oh okay um
0: <laughs> that's actually the type of thing that i would get caught up on i know okay. <laughs> i reject it when you do it to me but it people, is the type people of thing do it all the time i just let it go but if i, I sorry, ever thought I like, about like, it yeah. i would be bothered about my kids do this too they my kids will never say um, I watched the whole movie, or I watched the entire movie. Everything is I watched the whole entire movie. And I'm like, you don't have to say whole and entire. We got it. I cleaned my whole entire plate. Uh, give them they're not out of grade school
1: yet. Give them a little <laughs> Yeah, but you gotta you gotta teach them young, you know. Um they got there in 15. What did you ask me about the 19 Final Four? Oh, that was the last time the Big Ten team. Yeah, I'll I'll say Was this in your SEC preview or yes. Oh yeah, I read it, but I, I I did not retain this number. Uh I'll say we've had 21 teams make the final four since since Kentucky got there.
0: Very close. Like if this was prices right, that would have been excellent. It's 22. Oh, how about that? Auburn, Baylor, Connecticut, Duke, Florida, Atlantic, Gonzaga, Houston, Kansas, Loyola, Chicago, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Oregon, UCLA, Villanova, Virginia, San Diego State, South Carolina. Syracuse and Texas tech. Those are the 22 schools that have been to a final four more recently than your Kentucky
1: wildcats. So I love this sport, man. That's an awesome, awesome list. This I think was our longest conference preview episode yet, which is great. We're going to have a best of the rest episode as is custom, uh, early next week. So keep an eye on that for your San Diego States and your Gonzaga's and your FAU. Speaking of teams that have made the final four since Kentucky last, uh, made there. And, uh, yeah, and we'll have a uh, we'll have at least two more episodes coming for you next week. Oh wow, I can't wait. Did you finish your top 101 players list? I haven't finished it. Okay. Well, the deadline's coming. I got When, it when is the deadline? It's a little more than 2 hours from now. Oh god. You're done. You're not getting it. you got your show. You're done. <sighs> Just send me yours and I'll mix I'm up the order. I'm not sending you mine.
0: Just send me yours. I'll mix up the order a little Stop. bit. I'll move the Arkansas players up from your list. <laughs> Mark that
1: players down. We know how I'll it. just
0: take all the Arkansas players on your list, move them up 20 spots, and call it a day. Right? Shout them. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. Legend. Shouts to Hutt, Larnell. Thank you, guys, once again for listening, watching. I own college basketball podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe. Anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify, five stars. Nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. That should be reflected in the comments. So knock that out when you get a chance, and we'll talk to you again real, real soon. Till then, take care.